You know, I, I preach in Florida Road often, and you know that in the congregation there's going to be like some Muslim people, and there are going to be some people who basically have doctorates in theology. And you've got to speak to both of them, and it's kind of terrifying. Today is kind of terrifying, uh, because today is like family news. And uh, there are a whole bunch of people here who know the family news, and, uh, and you're feeling the weightiness of it, and we're going to get to that in a moment. And there's some of you who don't know the family news. And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Just be happy in the beginning. Then we're going to cry, then we're going to be happy again. Okay, so that's how it's going to go. So you happy, cry, happy. No, if neither people who don't know what's going on are going like, whoa, I came to a cult. You didn't. Um, some of uh, my favorite parts of church I've discovered in the last season. I've been doing this uh, premarital. I've just been doing more and more premaritals. And, um, and they, they're growing. But the thing that's so beautiful about premarital is that when the couples come in, it's like, oh, you complete me, oh, you're so beautiful, can't wait for marriage. And then they get to premarital, and what your goal is in premarital is to show them how different they are so that they can come to a place of agreement. So, so you start with, like, sex, and you say, um, what's your sex expectation? Like, how many times a month or a week or a day, like, where are you at? And you just work out yours and you work out yours and then let's talk about it. And then you laugh a lot. And uh, as people find out how different they are, you talk about money. What, what's your expectation about saving? And what's your, what's your expectation about lifestyle? And then you start to see how different you are. What, how are we going to treat our mothers and all? Like, I, you start to see worlds apart as you start to discuss these things. And by the end of premarital, what you pray for is that people have moved from how extremely naive they were to how different we are to how agreed we can become. Because it's in the agreement that the beauty happens. And so I, I was, um, I guess, doing a little bit of a counseling session. Someone came to see me, and she said to me, she, she started explaining how in debt her boyfriend was. But he wasn't just in debt financially. He was in debt in a few relational areas, and he was in debt in some social skills. And, and by the time she'd finished telling me of his debt, I was thinking to myself, okay, what do I say now? Do I say just run? Or do I, what, what must I do right now? I was, I was kind of terrified. And, and I felt like I'd it kind of popped this thought into my mind that comes from the scripture in Genesis 11. It says, look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. And in that moment, I understood. It doesn't matter the indebtedness they're starting with. If they can get into a place of agreement, there is nothing that will be impossible for them. But if they can't get into a place of agreement, they mustn't even start the journey. Today, I'm going to talk about the power of this. Nothing will be impossible for them. It's, it's quite a statement. And then I'm going to go into family news. You know, what I love about this statement is, it says, all, they have, all they've got going for them is they're united and they speak the same language. It doesn't say anything about talent or wealth or, or ability. It just goes, united, they speak the same language, and nothing 
is impossible for me. And I, you realize this. When Ames and I are united, she's about to leave now, then we'll be disunited. When, when, when we are, <laughs> that is a COVID baby. COVID babies have stronger wills than other babies. Uh, when we are united and speak the same language, when, when I get her and when she gets me, when we are connected and we're going in the same direction, that's when COVID babies are born. That's, that's when you multiply. There's, there's a principle. God, God multiplies when two come together in oneness. That's when we multiply. And, and this principle, it operates all the way through the Bible. So you see it in Acts. It says they were united of heart and mind, and therefore 3,000 were added. In Acts 4, it says they were united in spirit, and there were no needs among them. There's this principle that where there is oneness and unity, there's a multiplication. Similarly, where there's like disunity, there's pain and often a breakdown. There's division. And so when you read the scripture, what's fascinating about the scripture is that God comes in this space, God who multiplies everything, and he divides. He separates. Now, see, this is quite profound because when I think about God, I only think about him adding. I've um, you know, when we sing that song, if you're a Christian, you've been singing that song for ages. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And, and then it goes, he gives and he takes away. And whenever I'd sing that, I'd go, he gives, and then I'd be quiet for the he takes away. Because I have a theology of God giving, but unfortunately, I didn't used to have a theology of him taking away. And most of us, have a theology of God adding and multiplying, but we don't have a theology of Him separating and dividing. And the result of that is that we resist when He comes to prune. See, I, I so wish I'd understood this principle early on in my life because I spent most of my life resisting what God was coming to separate in me. When he separated me out of the group of friends, I, I, I resisted it. But if I'd understood that he was separating me for a season so that he could heal me, so that he could plug me back in, I wouldn't have resisted it and I wouldn't have found an inattention that was destroying everything in my mind and heart as I was trying to love my mates and trying to love God and trying to work out these things. If I, if I look through my journey of Christianity, there's so many times that I have resisted his separating because I didn't want the tearing. I've resisted the people that he's wanted to take out of my life for their blessing and my blessing, because I don't like tearing. I don't like the, the pulling apart that happens, because I've got a theology of God adding, but not tearing. And I don't understand, or I haven't understood, that all I need is a unity of heart here, and it'll multiply. And if there's a unity of heart here and a unity of heart here, they will both multiply to the glory of God. Now I'm going to read you a text about God separating. 
And uh, once I've read this text, you will understand where this is going. Oh, so much I've left out. Oh, well. In Acts 15, it says this. Sometime later, so here's the context. Paul's on his second missionary journey. He's, um, he's done the, the first missionary journey, and it's just been a rip-roaring success. And it's just been one person saved after the next church started, and he's done this with his mate Barnabas. They're like this dream team. Now they get to second missionary journey. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to, to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Okay, I want to just unpack this a little bit. Firstly, in this text, we have two of probably the most mature believers that have ever lived. Paul wrote, he defined love. 1 Corinthians 13, he, he is the dude. He defined love. Barnabas, one of the most, these guys are the biggest heroes of the faith, that everyone celebrates them. But they get into a disagreement. The disagreement is on a principle issue. The principle is this. Paul's going, I'm not going to go into ministry again with a guy who might desert me. Barnabas is going, everyone, including you, Paul, needed a second chance. This is what's happening. I want you to get a little bit more. When I was chatting Nats through this sermon, I was, I was like going, this is difficult and so true. The thing about convictions is that they're personal. Convictions are personal. When you think about Barnabas, his cousin was John Mark. It's personal for him. Secondly, Barnabas, if you don't know much about Barnabas, his name means encouragement or son of encouragement. Barnabas is the guy who fetches people. It's his wiring. It's his DNA. It's what he's called to. He's the guy who goes and fetches Paul when everybody's written Paul off. He is the guy who brings courage. He's generous of spirit. You know when you have a hard time and there's that like dad figure who just steps in and loves you? Barnabas. It's who he's called to be. Paul is the most disciplined, scary human on the planet. He is fierce and he is loving. He is hectic. The guy, he says, as to the law, 613 commandments, I obeyed them all. The oak's just like, I charge at life and failure is not an option. This is Paul. This is his personality. This is his discipline. This is his drive. And his role or calling is to put foundations into churches that are facing some of the most wacky stuff known to man. Stuff like gender fluidity was, was a norm there. It wasn't a concept. 
Every, everything that we consider corrupt and messed up in our world, well, back then, it was exponentially worse. Paul is the guy who goes, I'm the one who sets the foundations to make these things right. And the starting place of being a leader in that space is it is incredibly tough. You may die. And if we're going to have a church that follows Jesus, Paul's going, well, we have to have leaders who will follow Jesus in the tough and horrible and the good days. And John Mark can't come. It's personal. Convictions are always personal. It's about something that you value. And Paul has a value on something that is different to Barnabas' value. And here's the thing about it. In this case, neither are wrong. Both these things are good. Conviction is, is powerful. It's personal. Conviction will take you through things that you couldn't otherwise get through. It takes Paul through this. But I want to tell you this. Convictions submitted to the hand of God will result in fruitfulness, not devastation. Convictions submitted to the hand of God are safe. Now, here's why I know this. Of Paul... Barnabas and John Mark. Paul goes off and he strengthens the Pauline churches and they thrive. Barnabas goes to Sicily. I think he got the better deal. And he strengthens the churches there. He becomes a bishop, actually anoints a guy called Clement who becomes another bishop and the churches thrive. And John Mark, he, because of this disagreement, splits from Paul and goes and follows Peter. And John Mark keeps listening to Peter and writing down his stories, and eventually he writes the Gospel of Mark. Paul, towards the end of his life, he says this in Colossians 4, Aristarchus, like some names you should just never name anyone, my fellow prisoner sends you greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And then when he's in 2 Timothy, he says, only Luke is with me, but get Mark. I need Mark and bring him with you because he is of great help to me in ministry. Here's the big idea. When submitted people separate, submitted to God, God will take them and fruitfully multiply them for his glory and theirs. You are safe in submission to God. Now, here's where you can cry. And, and I might. Nats and I and the elders have gone on like this long, I don't want to use bad words in church, horrible, good dispute journey around convictions. And um, we've landed in place, a place of difference. And so it's around um, women in ministry and women in homes. And I guess through the journey, Nats's life and ministry has shifted ours when it comes to church. When we started, we were what's called complementarian, strongly so. And, um, and her 
this journey that the Holy Spirit has led us on has shifted us to where we, we believe that women can play any role in church, in ministry. But when it comes to family, Nat has a conviction and a belief that, um, that there is no authority in gender, given to gender, that leads to pain. And I guess I and the elders see the scriptures around headship, and we believe that there is headship in marriage. And often can't describe exactly how that looks, but we see it in scripture. It's a point of difference. It's not a point of difference that we can just work through. We've, we've tried. But with that said, amongst that dispute, there is great love here, which is why this is so hard. It, it wouldn't be hard if, if I didn't care for Nats and she didn't care for me. And she didn't love the church, and the church didn't absolutely adore her. But it's a dispute that has landed in this place of separation. And so Nats, through a journey, has come and said, I can't stay in Olive Tree under this. Now, that is the reason for separation, which is not the purpose of today. I want you to know that. But more than I want you to know that, I want you to know what I believe about Nats and Shell and her family. Um, because I think this shows the more important part. I have, I don't think, ever done life with a family who has given their lives so consistently and faithfully in oneness of heart and mind to the mission of God. They have sacrificed on every single level. They have felt pain just to follow a God word in their lives. And the sacrifice that they have modeled, it's so exemplary that, that if, if you don't celebrate it, you're completely missing the point. They are some of the most inspiring family. They are the most inspiring family I've ever seen. You too, Rach. Amen. They've sacrificed moves. They've sacrificed challenging theology. You know the, the gender theology thing? It's really easy to figure out. It is one of the toughest, most horrible theological mind benders I've ever engaged in. And um, what we thought would take six months took two years and then longer. And it, it was just on and on and on. And Nats loved and she served and she honored and uh, she sacrificed. It was a sacrifice. She was incredible. Her ministry, when it comes to North Coast, when she took over North Coast, um, this was not a healthy church. We'd just gone through like some heavy stuff. And Nats came in and she brought healing. You know, when people ask me from outside, because a lot of pastors look at me and go, how did you have a, a lady site leader? And my starting answer is because the Holy Spirit told us to. And then they ask me questions. 
And I say to them, whatever you believe, Nats is the strongest pastoral gift I have ever encountered in ministry. She is able to speak the truth whilst loving you and clapping you all at the same time. <laughs> she is highly, highly gifted. When it comes to ladies' ministry, you know what? You can't deny that God has been doing something across the world to elevate ladies, women, into spaces of freedom. Well, you need champions for that to happen. And Nats was extraordinary. And I will forever be grateful for how she's released gifts and ladies and how she's changed me. Her life, her championing life, has changed so much about what I believe and how I understand ladies and just how much you are from Mars. Sheldon has um, played a role that is often the most painful. You know, if you had to ask Ames what the most painful things in her life would, were, she'll tell you stories of early on when I took over a church and I was trying to lead through some tricky people. It is so hard not to consistently take offense because of what's happening to your spouse. And Sheldon served, dealt with his heart, sacrificed, gave financially, and just, he's exemplary. And so today, I don't really want to talk to you about what's going to happen next week. We'll talk about that next week. I don't hugely want to talk about the difference in theology, we, we can talk about that next week. What I want to do is honor this incredible woman and this incredible family in a way that is accurate and right. And I want to say that my friend is incredible. And won't you give her a hand as she comes and shares whatever she's doing. you don't mind I've got notes because I don't really back myself to speak properly if I don't <laughs> um, so yeah I just want to really start by saying what an absolute honor it has been to be entrusted with pastoring this site um, it's been fun it's been meaningful it's been hard it's been stretching it's been Glorious. It's been everything. And we have such wonderful and lasting lessons that will keep us going. Um, you understand how we've got to this moment, so I'm not going to talk about that. But um, we absolutely, I really want everybody to know this. We absolutely, completely believe that God had his hand in us being here for the season. There is absolutely no doubt in our minds as a family that this is what God wanted. And we have absolutely loved 
getting to know the incredible people of the North Coast. We believe that our lives were meant to intersect and um, that whilst we won't be um, playing the pastoral role of this church, that these stories will continue and these friendships will continue. Um, when I think back on so many moments, I just, I know that I've got like a heart full of wonderful memories of miraculous moments of healing, of just being able to be in, in moments that are such a deep privilege. Um, and that's because of stepping out into an adventure. And um, we absolutely have seen over the years these incredible pictures and senses of what we believe God wants to do in this community. And we will continue to pray for those things to happen. We don't know what the next season looks like for, for you guys. We don't even know what it looks like for us. But we know that God does. And that's more than enough. Um, I'm just nowhere right now, sorry. <laughs> um, Sheldon and I and the children will forever be grateful to Ross and Amy and the leadership team of Olive Tree for what they've created um, for a place that we've been able to have relationships and community and healing and to mark some of our highest and lowest moments in life. And um, I think that if you walk away with anything today, I would want you to know that love is not tested in agreement. It's tested in disagreement. And I love you, Ross. And <laughs> always will, even though I want to headbutt you often. <laughs> and um, we love all of you guys so much. Um, <laughs> Shell, there's... I can't even talk, you know. Um, but Sheldon is an absolute rock star. He really and truly is. And um, our deepest joy is that there's never been a moment where this journey has separated us in our marriage. Um, and that is because we have both been fully submitted to God and the Holy Spirit. And so, even in the toughest moments, we've never had a moment of disagreeing on this. And Rachel and Nick and Sam outside, um, you guys have been incredible to just jump on this wagon with us and <laughs> behold north and south. And <laughs> but I know that I know that I know it's been good for you and that you have grown. And um, we never grow when things are easy. And um, we never, as a Nudia family, want to sign up for easy. <laughs> um, we wouldn't mind a little bit easier for a while, <laughs> but um, I celebrate how I've seen you guys grow too. And I thank you for having been so gracious while we've done this. Um, and I just want to thank this community for your incredible generosity, your faithfulness, your loyalty, 
your gifts. Gosh, the way you guys have just been here to build this community and to love and serve Shalana. We feel so loved and served by you too. And just, you're some of the best people we've ever met are right here in this room. And that's what makes us so hard. But like I said, it's not the end of friendship and relationship at all. Um, and so the most important thank you here is to God for having led us on this adventure, for his kindness every step of the way, for like perfectly timed dreams and words and scriptures and encouragement and people in front of our paths who've led and directed our next steps. I cannot tell you how firmly held we have felt by God in all of this. And um, so on the one hand, like I said, if you're walking away something today, it's that love is tested when we don't agree, not when we agree. The other thing that I would want you to know is that God does the most extraordinary things with us when we step into scary spaces. And I would want to know that there's a legacy of that left here. That if there is something scary or frightening or anything that makes your heart skip a beat when you think about it, that you feel God is wanting you to do, just do it. Because that is where your faith is deepened and where you really, really get to see who the people around you are. So I would want to leave you with that. And I would want you to also leave with the knowledge that even when church is a little messy like this and these things that we don't fully understand happen, that the church is the greatest hope of the world. That we, we find healing in church community. We find spiritual family in church community. Um, so, yeah. Love you guys so much. Um, and thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having been a part of our incredible journey and adventure. And I really pray that it has been good and a blessing to you. Uh, this last season, and that you will all continue to grow in God, that your faith would deepen, and that you would all learn to love in the most wild and radical ways. Thank you. Yeah, I don't really know didn't imagine this part, but anyway, I, uh, I've had one thing that's kind of got me through today. I just, every now and again, I, I get pulled into seeing things from heaven's perspective, and then I come back down, and my, actually, when I got up, my knees were wobbling so much as I was walking up, I was, and I wanted to wee more than I've ever wanted to wee, and, uh, and uh, it just every now and again, I just feel like God because if you could see this from my perspective, you would just see blessing. So I want to end this by just blessing that as she goes off and does her Pauline churches and we go do our Barnabas thing. And because I know that that is blessed. It is an agreement, it is blessed, and it is beautiful. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this, this season that's come to a comma 
as Nats does her thing, but I know, Lord, that there will be a day when we will celebrate together at the full stop. I thank you that the difference might separate, but the relationship won't, the friendship won't, and, and that's with all of us. And God, I pray, therefore, that you, you bring such deep blessing into Nats' next step. I give you glory for her, and I thank you for the impact she's had on our lives. Amen. I think the appropriate thing today is just for you guys to go and tell her what she means to you and bless this family. And if you want to throw darts at me, I'll be over here. But uh, may God bless you. It's been kind of good being with you. Have a fantastic Sunday. God bless.